Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of the Road to Revenue series. Today's episode is all about manifesting what you want. What does that mean? That means I'm going to teach you to get what you want rapidly and accurately, personally and professionally. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone from around the world. It is Friday training. I've been doing this for over 20 years and never, it's like jogging. When I first start, I may not want to really do it. And then by the time I'm done, it's the best thing I've done. So uh, hopefully you'll come on this jog with me. We're going to talk about manifesting what what you want. And I think the first key to manifesting what you want is to not be afraid of the word manifestation because I was. Uh, manifestation to me seemed like a very woo-woo word. It seemed like the word that they were using in the movie, The Secret. The first time my wife made me watch it and I saw the guy sitting in a chair dreaming about driving a Ferrari. And man, was I resistant to it. I'm like, you can't just sit in a chair and manifest the Ferrari. There's several laws that apply in manifestation. And so the first step in understanding manifestation is to change the word manifestation to get. (laughs) I get to do, I get to do, uh, and I get to have, or what I wanna have. And so uh, understanding that it's not necessarily a big woo-woo thing to get what you want, but manifestation is just getting what you want. And guess what? If you get what you want accurately and rapidly, uh, you can learn from it quicker and when we learn the lessons it has more values and the faster we learn the lessons the sooner the pain goes away because life is about the lessons and the lessons keep coming until you learn them pain is an indicator it propels us to a better place a better position to a better situation it does not punish us and so all of the relative rules of we talked about the the lessons in life uh that i send to people and all of these lessons by the way fill up the q a uh, we're going to be doing Q&A as always. Also, email me, david at dmeltzer.com if you want any of these lessons or my books, david at dmeltzer.com. But the lessons that we learn uh, resolve the problems that we have. It resolves the pain that we have. And manifestation is a critical component of resolving problems. Getting what we want rapidly and accurately, learning from it quicker, and moving forward to a better place, a better situation is the key. So how do we get what we want? Well, there's three things that apply. And the first one is one that most people uh, overlook. And it's because we attach our emotions to outcomes, create resistance because once we attach our emotions to an outcome, it doesn't come fast enough. It can't come fast enough. The minute we enroll in school, it's like, oh my God, I can't wait till we're done. The minute we get pregnant, it's like, oh my God, I can't wait for this baby to come out of me. Uh, It's so indicative that we have to understand where that emotion should be attached. And part of detachment doesn't mean that you don't have objectives. You still want the baby to come out. You still want to graduate. But these are just milestones in the journey. And to detach our emotions from the natural order of things, the natural attachment to an outcome is to think about one thing. And it's overlooked all the time. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I am at the right place at the perfect time. When you tell yourself, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, I'm at the right place at the perfect time, it's an immediate emotional detachment from an outcome. It resolves that issue that you're not enough. It resolves the issue that something's missing. See, once we attach our emotions to the outcome, you're creating an acknowledgement, you're acquiring the knowledge that there is something missing. When you enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, knowing that you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, you've resolved resistance. You create less interference between you and that which already exists, the milestone or the outcome, the baby, the car, whatever it is you want. The key component of manifestation or getting what you want is to be happy where you're at and to take the time to find the light, the love, and the lessons in where you are right now so you can resolve the interference or resistance that we emotionally create that takes longer to get to the lessons to learn, takes longer to find the light, it takes longer to feel and clear the power that we're connected to. 
when we know we're exactly where we're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, we feel that we are already happy, for instance. I'm gonna be happy when. How many times in your life have you said that? I will be happy if. No, you are happy. It's what are you doing to interfere with that happiness? And part of the interference is focusing in on what's missing in your life. And part of the process of focusing in on what's missing in your life is attaching your emotions to an outcome that you're gonna be happy when you get something. No, you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, allowing the lessons to come faster and faster and learning those lessons to push you further towards a better place, a better situation. Even if you don't think it's the situation that you wanted, you have to also have faith that it is a better, we'll get to that. So the first step of knowing that you're at the right place at the perfect time is being happy where you're at, that there is no better there than here. There's no better there than here. There's here and I'm happy to be here. And the law of gravity says I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time. The second one, uh, the second rule or law that I put into a force in manifestation or getting what I want is the law of Goya. And a lot of you have heard me talk about the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A. John Asaroff blew my mind when he told me, I don't believe in the law of attraction, I believe in the law of Goya. And I thought he was the law of attraction guy. He was the vision board guy from the movie, The Secret, and became a close friend of mine. But when he told me that the law of Goya says, get off your ass, now he was talking my language, right? You can't sit in a chair dreaming about the Ferrari. You go ahead and go get it. You learn the lessons. The faster you make mistakes, failures, setbacks, the faster you learn, the faster it's going to come to you rapidly and accurately or better than anticipated. And if you detach your emotions from the outcome, it'll come even faster. I call this the process of angling. Angling to what you want. What does that mean? that we can predispose that one, I'm going to take action by getting alignment first. 80% of my time is to get alignment, see how synergistic and supplementary my activities are to the ideas that I have. But if I get alignment, I then can G-O-O-I-A, get off my ass and take action. But part of that action is to prepare for adjustment because pain will definitely come out as I take action. Mistakes, failures, setbacks are gonna absolutely occur. But I prepare for them by saying that this is a process of angling. The law of Goya getting off my ass is a process of angling to what I want, that there is no direct path to what I want. It's not that simple. There's too many lessons to learn because it's a multivariable universe of infinity and limitlessness that I live in. And therefore I have to admit and acknowledge that I have many different opportunities to angle to what I want. So the law of gravity states, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, not attaching my emotions to the outcome, not looking for what's missing in my life or creating interference. Then I utilize the law of Goya to give everything I have. The most common denominator of all the guests on my office hours, all the guests on the playbook, my podcast, everyone that I'm blessed to be around and surround myself with, the common denominator of the people who hold the spirit of excellence that achieve the most as billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers, the number one common denominator is they have a desire that they must be what they can be because they're angling towards what they want with everything they have. They have inherently executed on my definition of joy and happiness to enjoy, to be in the process of joy, enjoy the consistent everyday persistent without quit pursuit of my potential, my truth of my quantum nature, what I want, not what is missing by attaching my emotions to an outcome, not what I don't want, attaching my emotions to a negative outcome or attaching my emotions to what other people want through ego-based consciousness of guilt or resentment or offense, superiority, inferiority or separateness. And these occur all the time and we wonder why we don't get what we want, why we keep getting what's missing or what we don't want or what other people want for us. The reason is, is that you're not enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Why is that so important? Well, because the conscious continuum works in the context of enjoying 
the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Meaning that we experience things consciously through our senses. And our senses are stupid. We don't see things accurately. We don't see things the same as other people see them. We don't smell things stable or accurately. We don't taste them or touch them. All of these things are faulty senses that do not collect the data in a 100% nature. And so because the only way we talk to the conscious continuum, meaning the only way we talk within the system of inputting data into our brains that we then call memories, subconscious memories that exist there, there's about 40,000 of the same thoughts that exist in our head every day. And they reinforce what activities we have. They reinforce themselves while we sleep, rest, meditate. And those subconscious thoughts the neural pathways in our minds that create efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success talk to our quantum nature, our DNA. This is the conscious continuum. And so once we realize and acknowledge that our senses are faulty, we then are inspired in spirit to what? Be consistent. Because it takes repetition for the faulty systems to identify stable data to talk to the subconscious mind. A lot of people will tell you that you can create a neural pathway in 21 days. I will tell you that is biochemically true, biologically true. But it doesn't mean that every habit or neural pathway can be formed in 21 days because remember the communicative style or within the conscious con competency, the subconscious is communicating with the unconscious. And if your unconscious is not supporting the subconscious, it takes much longer because it can work for or against you, the unconscious competency that you have, the epigenetic layer of the activated uh, quantum nature that you have, the DNA, the hard drive that you have, the personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions will consistently fight against subconscious changes that you feel would either be positive or negative, determinative upon what your objectives are. What do I mean? If you have ever utilized nicotine, Nicotine is probably one of the most addictive drugs uh, next to heroin and a few others that I refuse to ever even try. But if you've ever experienced nicotine and you have a quantum memory of nicotine, meaning that maybe your parents use nicotine, your grandparents, your great grandparents, well, most likely your quantum nature, your DNA will fight against you quitting smoking or, or chewing tobacco or whatever nicotine consumption vaping that you're utilizing. So it will take you much longer than 21 days. And even worse, it's in your quantum nature so that even if you're capable of quitting for a month, a year, or even 10 years, you may only have one cigarette or one chewing tobacco pouch or one hit of a vape. And all of a sudden, all of the neural pathways, all the subconscious work and conscious work that you did goes out the door. And this is how the system works with manifestation. We wanna have the entire conscious competency from your conscious senses with the consistent, persistent pursuit in the enjoyment, the higher frequency of that, to creating neural pathways that will communicate with you, who you are quantumly because or why, what communicates the last part of manifestation. Most people, when you talk about manifestation or getting what you want, they talk about the laws of attraction. And what they think is, as John Astroff talked about in The Secret, is if I stare at a house, someday I'll have that house. If I sit in the chair and dream about my Ferrari, someday I'll have my Ferrari. Well, we've already talked about the fact that you gotta be happy where you're at, clear the emotional attachment. You have to utilize the law of Goya to angle to what you want. But none of that will work because the only beacon of communication to the universe and you is the quantum being that you are. That is the beacon. Your personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. Your DNA is what's sending a frequency out to attract what you want. But if you have counterdicting energies and frequencies in the conscious, subconscious, or unconscious, you're going to send false or faulty signals out or interference to the things that are already in existence between infinity and uh, abundance that are already yours infinity and limitlessness that are already yours. So what we wanna do is create this system from the conscious, subconscious to the unconscious, beaking out to what already exists to have you get or manifest 
what you want rapidly and accurately. That's why you have to have faith. Faith is the key component that a lot of people attach a religious separate belief to, but faith in itself says, not only am I happy with where I am at the exact place at the perfect time with the law of gravity, but I'm willing to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, angling to what I want, not afraid of the mistakes, the failures, the setbacks that are gonna teach me lessons faster so I can get to a better place, a better situation, or make my situation better. But I have faith that I'm gonna end up somewhere better than that. And that the law of attraction will clear the interference between me and what I think I want compared to what I already have. When you have faith, it comes to you. Now, faith is interesting because I use the analogy. I see someone in the chat put black card faith. And I tell a story about, you know, there's varying degrees of faith, you know. And, and I think if you consider money as a currency, a currency is an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. And money actually is that type of currency, an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. It's a form of manifestation. Well, so is faith. And if you have green card in money and currency, you can only get so much. If you got one of those, uh, you know, silver or platinum cards, you get a little bit more. A gold card, you get a little more. Platinum, even more. But if you have black card faith, you can get limitless. It's limitless. It has no limit, a black card. You can buy a plane, a house on a black card. And that's what you want to have with faith. You want to have black card faith. See, some people have green card faith and they wonder why they have these limits in their life. Some people have gold card faith. They wonder why they have these limits in their life. Some people have platinum card faith. Other people have black card faith. They sit there every day and say, I am so happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. And I'm going to utilize my attention and intention to be aware of what I am doing to interfere with it. Because I'm happy where I'm at. I'm going to angle to what I want. And I have faith. I'm going to end up somewhere better. I have that black card GPS in my pocket that says not only will faith reroute me when I get off at the wrong exit or I have a flat tire or I end up at the donut shop instead of a gym, but it will give me a better destination, even one that my conscious being does not even know or could even be aware of. All stemming from shifting a paradigm of faith that I already am. I am healthy. I am happy. I am worthy. I am wealthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? Only black card faith will bring it to you rapidly and accurately and allow the system to expand upon itself. Life is longing for itself. Allow it to. Life is longing for expansion and growth and acceleration. Allow it to expand and accelerate and grow. Life longs for itself. Your children long for itself. They come through you, not to you or for you. Live in the limitless world of abundance. Now, how does that all work? Well, it works and starts with the six inches between our ears. In this unbelievable, someone put black card vision. Exactly. It starts with a vision. Now, there's a mathematical equation to manifestation. There's a quantum, quantifiable ability that people have. And I'm going to talk you through this type of ability. Number one, where the secret is correct. And by the way, I'm blessed. If you haven't seen Beyond the Secret, it's on Netflix. I'm blessed to be in that movie where I talk about this and how this works beyond the secret. Well, the secret says vision, green card vision, that the minute I think about, imagine what I want, meaning to manifest, to get, the minute I think about or imagine what I want to get, it goes from nothingness to a possibility. Now, mathematically, if I told you, what would you like to have? Zero chance or a possibility. Mathematically, obviously a possibility has statistically success, statistical advantage over nothing. Zero or a possibility, I'll take a possibility every day. In order to get to possibility, all you have to do is dream or imagine what you want. Now, to take a possibility and give it a next mathematical step or advantage, you could take a possibility and turn it into a probability. And that probability is a mathematical advantage over 
the possibility. How do we take a possibility and make it a probability? Inspiration. It's that simple. So to take nothingness to a probability takes imagination. To take probability, possibility to probability, it takes inspiration. What is inspiration? Living in spirit. In spirit, inspired. Understanding that you already are abundant, living in a world of more than enough between limitlessness and infinity. And what are you doing to interfere with it? Understanding the conscious continuum, understanding the law of gravity, the law of Goya and the law of attraction. We can get to in spirit that I am already connected to the greatest source of power, light and lessons. And I can allow it to come through me with appreciation, which is encompassing for me gratitude, which gives me this perspective, the ability to find the light, the love and the lessons, forgiveness, which allows me to live at peace, which allows life to long for itself and to expand and grow and accelerate and accountability, which gives me control of what I want. Accountability says, what did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? Allowing me to feel safe and secure in making mistakes failures, setbacks. It gives me confidence. Confidence is created from clarity, balance, and focus, allowing me to have more efficiency, effectiveness in statistical success in what I do. Take every possibility simply by imagining it and becoming inspired in spirit that you are now acknowledging and remembering and recollecting and reminding that you're already connected to it and allowing it to come through you with gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, which causes appreciation appreciation defined as adding value to what it is. So if your house is appreciating right now, it's adding value, it's higher in value. Well, our inspiration in spirit includes not only recognizing and clearing the interference between the great source of light, love and lessons, the worthiness, wealth, will, happiness that you already connected to and through <coughs> and everything else. So we appreciate it and allow it to come through us for everybody else and everything else around us. All right, so we now have the second step in a mathematical advantage of possibility to probability. Once again, when I talk about the mathematical advantage, if I told you, would you like to have a zero chance of nothing? Or would you like to have something that possibly could happen? Or would you like to have something that would probably happen? Which one would you choose? <coughs> Probable. All of this can be done between the six inches between your ears, the most expensive real estate that exists, the most powerful real estate that exists, these six inches right here, simply by making your possibilities, your probabilities through inspiration. Now here comes the hard part. Here's where most people disconnect. How do I take a probability, an imagined inspired idea, and make it my perspective, meaning your reality? How do I materialize what I want? the process of completing the manifestation of getting what I want. How do I have that in my bank account, in my driveway, on my block, whatever it may be? How do I do that? There's three steps to take in order to effectuate the materialization or manifestation or getting what you want. The first is discipline. Knowing the conscious continuum, as I previously described, from the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind, understanding that you have to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, the first step is you need discipline. Because human nature in itself creates void shortages and obstacles that we have an ego that creates separation because it has a need, right, to, to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, worried, angry, guilty, resentful. All of these different things are creating interference all the time and uh, stopping us from being disciplined, right? I work on people and try to create a habit machine for them. And if anyone's interested in how to create a habit machine so you can just say to yourself, I wanna lose weight, I wanna work out, I wanna make more money, whatever it is, I have a document that I can send you for free, david at dmeltzer.com, along with my book, david at dmeltzer.com. Email me, they'll put it in the chat. I'd love to share how this habit machine works through discipline, the different steps that we take with the habit machine in order to effectuate that. Know that discipline is the key and that it's a counterintuitive thought process. It's an counterintuitive activity to what we normally do. It's difficult to do things every day to be disciplined. I tell people all the time, you want to change your life? 
say thank you. Simple, 0.1 seconds. Say it twice a day, 0.2 seconds. Say thank you every single day before you go to bed and when you wake up and you do that for 30 straight days, I promise you, life will change exponentially. You'll be allowing life to come through itself. It's amazing. But even I, who teach it, preach it, and love it, it took me nine months before I could do it for the very first time. Nine months. That's because it's counterintuitive and counterhuman nature. It's not, it's the antithesis of clearing interference. It's the interference creator. We can create habit machines though. And step number one is discipline to take your probabilities to your perspective or your reality. The second one is strategy. And the strategy that I use is the five daily practices. The strategy is every day to know your what, personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, knowing your who, who I can be service or value to, to create the flow and who can help me. Most people are not radically humble enough to ask for help, ask for help in person, on the phone, via email, media, ask for help, know your who, know your how. In order to have the proper strategy, you got to know your how. You need to know the activities you have planned, not have planned, and your sleep. You need to know the activities you get paid for and the activities you don't get paid for. You need to look at life through a lens of productivity, accessibility, so you can access what you want and make others accessible to you, and gratitude, so that you're seeking the light, the love, and the lessons that clears the interference between you and what you already are. And you need to have that strategy in order to effectuate the probability to perspective. The last thing that we need is to have awareness. And awareness occurs through the elevation of our vibration, the lessons that we learn. We can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. See, everything vibrates. Plants, earth vibrates the slowest, right? I can't put my hand through this desk. Plants, animals, humans, sound light, and then thought. They all vibrate. And we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than ourselves. And the thought that vibrates the fastest is the truth. Therefore, all of this ties together because we're enjoying the consistent every day through that discipline, persistent without quit, pursuit of not attaching my emotions to the outcome, but attaching them to uh, the process of what I want, the manifestation of what I want. And being able to conclusively do that to allow ourselves to take an idea and make it a possibility simply by imagining it. Becoming inspired and making it a probability, another mathematical advantage. Then using discipline, using strategy and awareness to make that probability our perspective. This is how, this is how you can have everything that you want. We can drop the woo-woo word of manifestation. Let's just all utilize the law of gravity, the law of Goya and the law of attraction in its appropriate way using the conscious continuum and the three steps from possibility to probability to reality or perspective. Reach out to me, put these questions in there. They're loading up right now. Reach out to me, I'll give you my book. I'll give you the five daily practices. I'll give you the, the habit machine. David at dmelser.com. Just email me. Help me help you enjoy your consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Let me help you manifest everything you desire in life and business or get what you want, simply stated. All right, let's take some Q&A here as it loads up. We also are on Clubhouse and IG, so let me know those questions as they come in. I'm gonna take a question online here and we're gonna call up someone on Clubhouse. Faraz Ak, A.K. Faraz, you will be up first. Let me answer this right now. How important is the teamwork aspect of what you do? Do you ever feel like you get too much credit for successes like your TV show, Office Hours? Well, first of all, teamwork is a collective consciousness. As much as everything that we talk from possibilities or probabilities perspective works in the individual mode, it's exponentially more powerful as a group or a collective. And a lot of times, the collective efforts and consciousness will be geared to one player on the team, Tom Brady. There's a lot of players that have allowed Tom Brady to win that many Super Bowls and MVPs. And he will acknowledge that. His leadership is that he's an intelligent follower, that his main perspective or goal is to elevate others to elevate himself. And so many times we can get caught into the fold of getting too much credit uh, 
for putting on, for example, your own TV show or winning a Super Bowl or receiving an award, but it's about the team. It's, a, it's about the team. And those people that don't understand it are just going to create interference to what? The collective consciousness. Because you not only have to be in spirit, you have to have a imaginative goal or milestone that you personally are not collective. I mean, personally not attaching your emotions to, but collectively we have to do it, which is much more difficult. But the greatest individual successes, and you see this in sports, more than anywhere, the, the winner of a, of a car race or the golf tournament, it looks so individual, right? Everybody, oh my gosh, this, this is congratulations, uh, where there's not even a team. Like Tom Brady, at least you can see Gronk and the others around him. Uh, but here, imagine you know, you're sitting in a car, who gets all the, the credit? The collective consciousness gets all the credit. And that's so important when we're talking about manifesting what do we want, because the more we ask for help and be of service and elevate others, the faster, more accurately we get what we want by helping other people get what they want. All right. Uh, Christina Madrigal, you are up. Faraz accidentally dropped there. Christina, how are you? Hello, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you. You got a question for me? I do. So I love this uh, lesson. Thank you so much. So, so after uh, imagination and inspiration, and you're waiting for the actual manifestation, you talk about faith. Can you uh, dig a little deeper in that and expand on that? If um, when we're, because sometimes when you're when you're in that that space of faith, it can it can be a little difficult. And so when you have those days and moments, or hopefully minutes and moments of the that time where it's a little bit more difficult how what is the best way to remain in that faith space thank you so much <laughs> thank you that's a great question i think there's two areas that test our faith the most faith the most and one is time and one is expectation and what do i mean by that when things take too long we have to hold on to faith and i see positive activity all the time get diminished in its capacity because people don't have the patience combined with the faith time itself creates interferences, void shortages that we just don't see with our weak senses, the progress that we're making or the goals that we're moving towards or angling towards. So number one, we have to blend patience with faith that everything's gonna happen at the right way at the perfect time. And I am at the right place at the perfect time. And that although I may not be aware of the progress that I've made, I've made progress. I am angling towards what I want. And that takes faith, that takes faith. And the second, is expectation. Uh, the second is, I'm supposed to have this, I'm supposed to, to win a Super Bowl, and then that isn't gonna happen. And somehow, faith interplays with that, that something better is gonna happen. Even though I wanted to win the Super Bowl, even though I wanted to make the NFL, even though I wanted to have uh, you know four children or marry this person or whatever it is, and it didn't happen. Now I have to have faith that it didn't happen because something better is in store for me. I'm not being punished. I'm being propelled. I'm being pushed to something better, not punished into something worse. And it's a mindset that's so difficult to have. And so to dig a little, deep, little deeper into faith, you need to one, blend patience with persistence and allow yourself to have faith that everything will come at the right way at the perfect time. And you are at the right place at the perfect time. But even more importantly, when things arrive in your life that you don't want, didn't anticipate or think that you don't want, you have to have faith that it's better. Ah, oh, but I wanted this. I really wanted it. I wanted it so bad. I get that. But faith tells you that something better is coming. I wanted to go to that school so bad. They rejected me. Oh my God. We'll never find another house like this again. This is my dream house. No, it wasn't. It may have been a dream, but not your dream. Because there's a bigger and better dream for you. And everyone out there has had these experiences. And they have wasted the emotional energy by attaching it to something they think they want when something better is always there for you. The universe is the GPS that not only reroutes you, but it changes your destination for the better. And faith is that which allows the GPS of life to be utilized in its maximum purpose. 
Awesome question. All right, I'm gonna take another question online. Lee Duncan, you are up next. Love that name. Uh, here we go. How do you not get bogged down with a punch list of administrative work to remain productive? Um, well, first of all, there's no work, right? Uh, for me, there's activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. And two, uh, activities of administrative nature are an investment. It's like people who talk about sacrificing. I don't believe in administrative activity or I don't believe in sacrifice. I believe in investment. I believe that we put our attention and intention into the coincidences that we want and we go through the discipline, strategy and awareness in order to effectuate the probability to a reality or perspective to materialize what we want or something better than what we wanted. And in order to do that, you can't create ego interference to a punch list of administrative activity and that will deter you from pursuing your potential or being productive, accessible, and gracious. So many people put a qualifier on activities that are either above or below them. And so they waste more energy saying, oh, I have to do this. You know, I got to go ahead and be a student in my calendar. I got to get this checklist over to this person. I got to clean up uh, the, the bar after the party. I got to, I got to, no, 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 no. You get to do it. You get to do it because you are allowing life to come through you. That's longing for itself. You're expanding, growing and accelerating into a better place, a better position to make something better and allowing yourself to go through the activities that may be planned or may not be planned in order to effectuate a greater good, a collective consciousness of abundance of limitlessness. We can't create ego separation by identifying activities, even administrative activities as beneath you. These are investments you just are not disciplined in being efficient and effective and statistically successful. You have not created systems yet. And instead of putting your energies and separating yourself and making yourself superior, you simply should create systems and processes that make you more efficient, not more interfering. Be efficient, not an interfering. So many people create those void shortages and obstacles with energy that they could create efficiencies, statistical success, and productivity with. All right, we will bring up Lee Duncan. You got a question for me, Lee. David, how are you doing today, sir? Thank you for having me on. I'm doing very well, but uh, your accent seems much more elegant than mine, so you can speak all day. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just the uh, English half of me, that. So um, I think that's the best half, too. But yeah, I just, I just love your rooms, David. And, you know, I've learned so much from slipping in and out of your rooms. And I thought I'd pop in on a, on a Friday just to see what was going on. And I did have a question, actually. Um, obviously, through uh, my experience in sport, I've been, been involved in sport my whole life, in the game of professional boxing, and been around people who succeed and become world champions, they've been through stages of failure in their life. And when you mentioned faith earlier, I always link faith with failure, because when we have failure, we must have faith to come back. So I just wanted to know, um, what's been your biggest failure and how did you come back from it? Yeah, so I think pragmatically my biggest failure is I lost over a hundred million dollars and went bankrupt. Um, and uh, in order to come back from it, I had to learn lessons. And the lesson that I learned in order to come back from it was radical humility. Uh, the ability to be vulnerable, to be wrong, to make mistakes, to tell people the truth, to stop overselling, manipulating, lying and cheating, to live my life in the pursuit of my potential instead of spending days, weeks, months and years separating myself into resentment, guilt, anger, frustration, worry, all the different things that were interfering with me in the primal fears that I had to live and pursue my own truth and to be able to identify Lee when I was outside of my truth, to be able to illuminate to people the mistakes and lessons that I weren't learned, to give them value, to allow them not to have to pay the most expensive tax that exists globally. It's called the dummy tax. Forget your state and federal taxes. The dummy tax is way more than a VAT. It is the tax that will cost you millions and even trillions of dollars. It may even cost you your life. 
And for me, radical humility, which are the two words that sit on my nightstand that allow me to say to myself, number one, I'm not going to take myself so seriously. And two, I am going to ask for help. And three, I'm going to be kind kind to my future self by being humble enough to do good deeds every day, to elevate others, to elevate myself, to be a celebrant, not a celebrity, and allowing people to expand and grow, allow life to long for itself, as I stated. The lesson for me after I lost everything was that lesson of radical humility that allowed me to say I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm at the right place at the perfect time. I'm going to angle with everything I have to get back up, get started, get restarted. And I'm going to have faith that I'm going to end up somewhere better this time around with the newfound lessons that I've learned. I know a boxer, someone like you, understands both motivation and inspiration. Motivation being the ability to get up, get back up, but the inspiration to keep on fighting and keep on fighting every single day to enjoy that consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Lee Duncan, it's an honor to have you in here. I appreciate what you've done inside the ring and out. Thank you so much. You can come visit anytime. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to take another question online. We got smoking Joe Edwards up next at the boxing things. So uh, let me get a quick question and I'll get to Joe. All right, here we go. Um, what's the best lesson your father ever taught you? (laughs) Well, I think my father taught me a lot of lessons that he was unaware of uh, because people watch uh, their parents. They don't listen to them. And I try to remember, recollect and remind myself that all the time that my children don't listen to me, but they watch me. And I watched my dad. I watched my dad make a lot of mistakes. I watched him have a lot of setbacks, a lot of pain. And I was capable of learning from his pain uh, to not be an overseller, back-end seller, liar, manipulator, and cheater. My dad had phenomenal qualities. He was extremely kind and generous. But like every other human, he had some flaws that I learned from. But he expressly taught me one lesson, and that was money does not buy happiness or love. It just allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, the things that elevate others, the things that are for others, the kind things to your future self. If you spend and shop on the right things, not things you don't need or you know things to impress people or impress people you don't even like, but if you shop for the right things, you'll be happy and you'll love yourself. And if you love yourself, others will love you. Others will love you when you love yourself. You can't give what you don't have. So learn to love you. Put yourself first. Take care of yourself so you can take care of others. My dad passed four years ago on June 19th, and uh, I hope he's listening because I appreciate those lessons. All right, Smoking Joe Edwards, come on up. How are you, my friend? Uh, beautiful, beautiful talk, beautiful conversation. Just want to say thank you so much and completely agree with you that you know more is caught than taught, right? So when you're speaking about the kids and even as adults, uh, you start, and I apologize if you hear uh, background noise, I'm in the airport, but uh, I, I really, uh, really appreciate, you know, everything that you're doing. That radical humility is just completely resonating with me. Um, my one question for you would be, I, I'm a voracious reader, uh, and just for everybody in the room, just to add some value, not just, you know, take from the room. If you haven't read Psycho-Cybernetics, I would definitely say that would be an incredible book to start with. But my question is, how is your self-image? Uh, I'm attempting to adopt different self-images, how I see myself. And I just wanted to know how you went through that with, uh, you know, your journey and just how you adopted just to maybe a newer self-image just to get into that next version of yourself. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And self-image is the most important image because the way we see ourselves is the way others see us. You can't find inside, I mean, outside yourself, what you can't find inside. So self-image for me is determinative upon those five daily practices of mine. That's where I find my self-image and really want to encourage anyone that hasn't reached out for the five daily practices. It's something I live by. But once I know my personal values every day, my experiential values of what I want to do, 
my giving values of how I'm going to provide value or service. I start my day with a prayer. May at least 10 people be put in front of me that I can help. And may God put at least 10 people in front of me that can help me. And the receiving values accordingly to that prayer. But once we're capable of having a self-image, a daily self-image of what, who, how, now, and why, uh, we're capable of evolving in subtleties, natural subtle, natural subtleties that don't cause create disruption in our lives, that others can see a consistent self-image that is evolving and growing that allows us to rapidly and accurately get what we want. And so I think it's really important to know, number one, you give meaning to everything you see. Two, you can't find inside of you what you are looking for outside of you or what others are looking at. And three, follow the five daily practices of what, who, how, now, and why, and you will increase and allow life to come through you, the life that's longing for itself with a positive and more positive, growing, accelerating self-image that others will see as well. Thank you, Smoke and Joe. I certainly appreciate it. Have a good trip from the airport. We will uh, wish you safe travels uh, and uneventful travel. Thank you. All right. All right. We'll take another one online. Next guest up is Steve Patterson. Uh, so get ready, Steve. You're on deck. Um, the next question that I have here is, why is gratitude one of your core values? Because uh, gratitude's everything. If you understand that gratitude gives you perspective, then you understand gratitude gives you reality. Right. I just talked about possibility, probability and perspective. Well, what is it that gives us perspective? Our ability to seek the light, the love and the lessons to everything, our ability to give meaning to everything that we see, to make the illusions of the embodiment, the ones that we want them to be, to materialize what we want rapidly and accurately all stem from one core value of gratitude. Gratitude is even greater than seeing the glass half full. It's greater than seeing the glass overflowing. It is a powerful mechanism to find love in everything. It is a powerful mechanism to learn to love everything with gratitude. And that is why the practice of gratitude, to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up every day, to implement it into the habit machine, to make it the discipline and the strategy and raise your awareness because it's the greatest truth and the truth vibrates the fastest which will only raise your awareness to give you the simplicity of what you want and how to get it. So there's the power of gratitude. Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. All right. One of my coaching group clients, Steve Patterson, you got a question for me. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, there you are. Hi, Steve. Hey, hi, Dave. Thank you. Sorry about that. No problem. The training today. I hope you're having an excellent day so far. Every day is an excellent day as long as I'm here. Right on. I do have a question. I am curious about vibration and frequency, and I know you talk a lot about that. And I, I agree with what Max Planck said about matter, that it doesn't really exist the way that we see things and the way that we feel things, and that we're mostly empty space that is vibrating at a frequency. And you say that things vibrate at different speeds uh, and that we are not able to be aware of that which vibrates faster than us. So what does that mean that we are not able to be aware of that which vibrates faster than us? For example, there's light and does it vibrate faster than us? I am aware of, of light and sound. So that's my question. Yeah, so thought vibrates faster than sound and light. And so we can be aware of light and sound because our thoughts uh, in varying degrees move faster than both of those. In fact, I use that mathematical equation for what other people deem to see as incredible multitasking capabilities. What do I mean by that? Is that I know that my mind can only one thought at one time that my mind can only focus in on one thing at one time, but I also know that thoughts move faster than the speed of light. Speed of light's about 186,000 miles per second. The speed of thoughts is far greater than that. So if you can train your mind, the muscles that exist in your mind 
to focus and refocus, you can beat the speed of time, I mean, the speed of light, which is the speed of time. In other words, you can effectively multitask in this vibration or frequency of the speed of light because we're all living in the speed of light. We're living in a time frame of 24 hours of activity given to us every day. And when you start realizing that your awareness lies in your thoughts, and then in varying degrees, these thoughts are supporting your illusions or your reality, then we can start utilizing our thoughts at higher and higher frequencies by pursuing our highest self, by pursuing the truth, by pursuing the potential of self, which is in varying degrees in everyone because everyone has different truths. They have different quantum natures that are in them that have been genetically inherited for four generations or if you believe like I do and for many, many lifetimes that I have been programmed my hard drive to different potentials. It doesn't mean that I have to pursue all of my highest potentials. It just means that with what I pursue, I want to pursue the potential of what activity I am participating in. And for example, I have an inherent nature, natural love for football. And unfortunately, my quantum potential in football is not that great. So therefore, as I was pursuing since I was five years old, being a professional football player or being the best football player that I could be, I reached close to my potential, probably not my potential, but close to my potential by being an average division three college football player. Now, I think there's some people that have much higher quantum natures than me, and if they put the same pursuit of their own potential in it, they'd be better than, you know, Gronkowski or better than any of your favorite players. There's so many people that don't have that capability. The nice thing is I learned to pursue my potential in the contents of trying to be a professional football player and have been able to apply it now for the rest of my life towards the that I am quantumly better at. And so what we wanna do is understand the vibrational frequencies, segmentations and variances that exist within our mind, within our thought, so that we can be aware of higher and higher frequencies to the highest frequency, which is the truth about buying and selling, the truth about our relationships, the truth about what we want, the truth about what quantum uh, things we should pursue. All of these truths allow ourselves to expand, grow, and accelerate in a more rapid and accurate way, which makes us more happy because we can give more away. And what really makes us happy is to allow things to come through us with appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, and give them away. We have not materialized anything in our lives till we've given it away. What an extraordinary question, Stephen. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. Awesome, my friend. All right, I'm gonna answer one more question online and then the last question on Clubhouse will be from Michael Hootner. Oh, you break. All right, uh, all right, here's the question online. <laughs> well, I, I gotta answer this one real quick. How do you deal with being confused with the wrestling writer, Dave Meltzer? Um, I handle it really well because he's a super guy. I just love when people attack me uh, for being the other Dave Meltzer and I get to respond by saying, Hey, be more interested than interesting. You got the wrong Dave Meltzer. Anyway, all right, let me move to the next question. What are you looking forward to with this year's Olympics? Well, number one, I'm looking forward to it actually happening. Uh, that'd be the first thing that I'm looking forward to uh, because I've been blessed to be on the Olympic board uh, for years now and uh, really want it to happen. But the thing that I love the most about the Olympics is the inspirational, aspirational stories, what they call in the TV and movie world, the B-roll. Uh, you know, everyone has an extraordinary story about the empty mile in Olympics. They're all stories about people who pursue their potential. Some do it in a varying degree of enjoying it. Others have been forced into it. But imagine, you know, I love speed skating, Apollo Ono being one of my idols, friends, mentors, mentees. He's just an extraordinary person. But the reason I love him so much is that is a sport that I could not believe or how you could actually stand, you know, pursuing your potential in to, you know, work all those years to, you know, get to the Olympics and lose by 0.0001% of a second or win by that much. It, it, it's to me unfathomable what that must be like. But that inspirational, aspirational, uh, story uh, combined with all the others from sports I don't even care about. I just want to hear the story about 
you know, the pole vaulter or, you know, the, the shuffleboard or the surfer, whoever it is, because I can apply their desire that they must be what they can be to my desire that I must be what I can be and use it not only to motivate me to get up, get back up, get started and get back started, but to inspire me, to remind me to clear the interference between me and what we're both connected, the Olympian and myself, we're both connected to the same source, allowing it to come through us with appreciation for others. And I celebrate all Olympians and the Olympics. So excited this year. All right, with the last few minutes, our final guest, Michael Hootner, welcome to the training. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having you on uh, the podcast in a few weeks. And uh, a couple things came to mind, and I appreciate Jake bringing me up. Um, and it's funny you talked about the Olympics. One of the guests that I had on my podcast uh, trained 50 miles a day for the 1968 Olympics, and it was one of the teammates of you know some of the famous people that protested, and he qualified. Uh, in his event by one step. So he trained for years <laughs> and made it by one step in hundred, you know, in the last hundred, you know, meters and just, you know, an incredible uh, testament to, you know, what they have to go through to, you know, make the limits, which isn't really as glamorous as it used to be here in the United States, especially with certain sports. But the question I had was, since I deal a lot with professional athletes on my podcast, I can't believe how many people have come on and talked about suicide, um, identity issues, um, you know, uh, depression, mental health is obviously uh, less taboo now than it used to be. And I'm just wondering, obviously, you've been involved in a lot of spaces, but what, what do you do to help them navigate that to understand that they can get to a, a better place, but it's going to take some uh, peeling back of some layers and and relearning and unlearning and, and those types of things. Cause I, I've got to be honest with you, you know, we talk about social injustice and a lot of things on our show, but I can't believe how many professional athletes have uh, talked about this very issue. Yeah. And it's ironic that they talk about the issue because two of the things that make athletes prone to depression, anxiety, et cetera, are two of the solutions that occur. Meaning that every athlete has coaches, uh, and they practice. Uh, and those are the two things that are needed uh, to understand in order to uh, clear the interference that we see as anxiety, depression, the interference that we see uh, with suicide as well. And so if we can get them first to align with the practice of being happy and to align with getting and asking for help, as you have suggested, we've come a long way when it comes to vulnerability and acceptance and illuminating the fact that, you know, we do have mental problems, that we face anxiety, depression, and even suicide. That's a huge step because at least we now have less resistance for people asking for help. And once they ask for help, if we can get them aligned with, hey, the same way you're one of the world's best athletes or the same way that you enjoy this, we will make happiness a practice. Here's you know four core values. Here's five daily practices. Here's some books. Here's some people. Here's a mindset. Here's the stop, drop, and roll that you allows you to apply your why and know your what, who, and how, and now. These are all things that I do in my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy is to, number one, get the right people, the right coaches into place, and two, teach them that it's just the same as what they do in their real lives. It's a practice. There's only progress. There's no perfection. Detach the emotions from the outcome. Enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. That is happiness. And that's the mindset that we give them, the heart set that we allow them, and the handset to ask for help and receive. Thank you so much, everyone. I look forward, Michael, to being on your podcast. Anyone else, just reach out if you'd like me to be on your podcast. I'm happy to do that. We have our BYOQ next week, 6 a.m. Pacific time on the Breakfast of Champions and our training. You bring the questions. I'll bring the answer for an entire hour. Two-Minute Drill Season 2 featured tonight on Bloomberg TV. Check it out with your cable companies or on Amazon. Office Hours premieres this fall and, of course, if you want the manifest or get whatever you want guide, the five daily practices or the habit machine, and of course my ebook, audiobook, or a signed copy of my book, 
I'll send them all to you for free. All you have to do is email me, david at dmeltzer.com, david at dmeltzer.com. Thank you, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be here over 20 years of trainings. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it, share it, however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.